It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Every one of us faces moments of soul crisis when what we expected and believed would happen doesn't. Those are important moments in our lives. In fact, they are super valuable moments. Many of us waste them by getting upset with God instead of using them like exercise equipment to strengthen our faith. Hey, this is Eric. Before we dive into today's Daily Thunder message and exercise our faith, I wanted to spark your curiosity. For the first time in Ellerslie's 10-year discipleship history, we are offering our summer five-week training online. Call it the COVID-19 special. It's being offered on a donation basis, so there's zero excuse for you to at least not look into it and consider it. We would love to have you. Please visit ellersley.com to learn more. Now let's step into the dark night of February 12th, 1942, on the coastlines of France, where some German sneakiness is unfolding. Our message this morning is uh, a very, very unique and powerful uh, meditation. Uh, it's called Blockaded in Brest. Brest, France uh, is going to be a key strategic location in World War II right across uh, the English Channel. And it's a, it's a port city. And so that's going to play into this because the Nazis have overtaken France in 1940. And so they are utilizing this French territory and the French coastline strategically for their naval operations in the Atlantic. And uh, so I'm, I'm not going to try and give you a, a, a teaching on naval operations. This will involve some naval maneuvers, which are fun, uh, but we won't go that deep in it. I, I wanna, there's a thought in this that I want to bring to the surface. Uh, the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter 4.12, and I've actually covered this scripture multiple times lately. It seems to be one of the key themes. It works well with uh, a world war. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. Testing in the Christian life is not supposed to surprise us. And the, the description of a fiery ordeal doesn't sound very fun. I, I have to acknowledge that. And I, I understand fiery ordeals. I really do. And I've had seasons in my life where I've complained about fiery ordeals and I have desired them to go away. And one of the key movements of grace in my life is to bring me to the point where when a fiery ordeal comes, I first of all learn to rejoice and give thanks and then leverage it into greater strength instead of just trying to push it away and lose its benefit to my life. Because God wants to do something in me. It has come upon me for my testing. It, just like a weight, if I was in the weight room and I was like, why are you giving me this weight? It's coming upon you for your testing. It's coming upon you for your growth and your development, Eric. So if you understand that, you can receive the weight, though you still resist, though you still work the weight and you don't just let it crush you, you, you utilize and leverage that challenge instead of let it harm you or just trying to throw it off to the side where usually you're gonna you know, injure one of your muscles when you try and do that, right? So uh, here's a map of 
Europe, uh, and you're going to see a little bit of uh, Asia creep into the edges of it, but most of it is blue. Now, if you're, if you're getting this via podcast, it's, a, it's an aerial view that is going to include Spain all the way up through uh, about a third of Russia, and you're going to go down to the very north of Africa. You're going to see Iceland uh, up in the top left. So it's, it's not you know, a picture of the world, but it's definitely a picture of the main theater of war at the time we're at, which is February of 1942. And so most of it is blue, which I didn't pick the colors. I just found the map because it was convenient for me. But, uh, you know, to pick blue for the Nazis seems funny because the allies are red. And I always think of the Nazis as being red, don't you? Isn't that, wouldn't that be the color for your mind too? But uh, Nazi Germany is basically in control. The Axis powers are in control of all that is blue. And you're going to notice that's most of it. You see the white countries there are neutrals, or they've somehow maintained a neutrality. Like right in the middle of Europe, there's only one country, and that's Switzerland, that is neutral. And uh, the red countries are the allies. And so you see Great Britain that is over there. The island of Great Britain is right across from all the blue. And so there's a 20-mile gap uh, in the English Channel uh, at Dover that's, uh, I mean, that's somewhat menacing, don't you think? But there's one thing that is true, and I'm going to establish sort of the theology of Great Britain, okay? That's, That's how I'm going to play it. The theology of Great Britain is that they rule the English Channel. They have for over a thousand years, okay? There's never been a land invasion of Great Britain in over a thousand years at this point in time, okay? So you can just imagine the people of Great Britain, especially after surviving the Battle of Britain and the bombing of the Luftwaffe, which is the air raids of the Germans, you know, they're feeling pretty confident, okay, the Germans aren't going to encroach, and they cannot get across uh, this, this gap, uh, this English Channel. And so that's going to play into our uh, discussion today is what I'm calling the theology uh, of Great Britain. So we're zooming in, and you see at the very bottom, you see Switzerland, uh, that little white blob in the middle of the blue in Europe, go straight to the left, and you're going to see a little outcropping that sort of shoots its head out almost like it's, uh, you know, the head of a snake, you know, out of France, okay? That's right on that bottom level as if it was the under uh, chin area of that outcropping is breast, okay? And I'll put a a star there uh, for you as well. And so that's where Brest, uh, France is. It's a key port city. And so the Germans are leveraging this for a lot of their naval operations. And I'm going to put another star up top, which is right next to Norway. You see, right at this time in the war, uh, you're, you're going to see Hitler begin to realize he's trying to pin the key points because there's a lot going on in a world war. He's trying to pin the key points on the map that are going to be of the most significance to move his strength towards. He is going to define at this point in time that Norway is actually, or Northern Norway technically, is the key to the entire world war, which I know sounds strange to all of us, but that's what's going to be happening. And it's interesting because if you talk to the allies at this time, or even after this, they're gonna say, well, he was right. Uh, there was something about that sector of uh, the overall world geography that is going to be very significant. And so here's the problem for the Germans. They need to get their naval strength up to Norway. But the Great Britain controls the English Channel and they have blockaded the two greatest warships of the Germans into the port in 
uh, in breast. And so as a result, this is going to be why it's blockaded uh, in breast or the blockade of breast is, uh, is significant. So the Scharnhorst and the Nisenau are two uh, German warships that uh, have been a, a nuisance and a menace throughout this war. Their, their names will come up throughout the war. And so now they're sort of locked in. And, and, the, and the British have them. They have torpedoes aligned. They have, uh, they have everything in place that if they even try and move out of that port, they're going down. And yet the Germans need them in the north. They need to get these guys to, 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 uh, to Norway, okay? So whether you care about the, war, the strategy of all of this, I'm trying to lay at least a, some basis on the table for the drama that we're going to experience here. So Winston Churchill says, on the 12th of February, 1942, Hitler determined to recall to their home ports the battle cruisers Scharnhorst and Neisenau, which had been blockaded in Brest for nearly a year. Okay, so Hitler decides they're coming home on February 12th, 1942. And then what, here would, here's what you would do with your, uh, your theology of Great Britain, right? Your theology of the English Channel. Well, they can't go through the English Channel, and we have them blockaded. We're safe. Okay, now, the reason I'm bringing this up and the reason I'm calling it a theology is many of us have the same dynamic in our own Christian life. This can never happen because I'm a Christian. I could never go through this challenge because I'm a Christian. And as a result, we oftentimes set ourselves up for very unique uh, disillusionment challenges because we oftentimes emphasize the wrong things. And we overemphasize part truths instead of the truth. The facts, and, and that'll sort of play into this because Great Britain is resting on certain truths that have been sort of like if we were to use Declaration of Independence that have been self-evident for over a thousand years, okay? It's like we know that the Scharnhorst and the Eisenhower would have to go around Ireland to be able to get up there. There's no way they could ever cross through the English Channel. And by the way, who in their right mind would ever try? And yet the audacity of Hitler is, is, is quite something. All possible preparations were made to watch Brest, okay? So they have all eyes on this port city and to attack any sortie with bomb and torpedo by air and sea. So a sortie is going to be in a defensive position when you make an offensive maneuver, okay? So if they ever try and get out of this port, we, we have them covered, guys. We're watching them 24-7. Mines were also laid along the presumed route both in the channel and near the Dutch coast. The Admiralty expected that the passage of the Dover Strait would be attempted by night, but the German Admiral preferred to use darkness to elude our patrols when leaving Brest and run the Dover batteries in daylight. Okay, so that might not make any sense, but I'll go back to our map here. You see the great, it's, it says United Kingdom uh, on, the, on the map, but the point that is closest in the United Kingdom of that, that red outcropping that is closest to the blue that's going to be the Dover Straits. And so Dover is right there. And so they have all their batteries that are ready to just pound anything that would dare try and go through there. So the Germans decide that they're going to try and escape Brest at night and then face Dover in the middle of the day. Okay, so even Winston Churchill is sort of like, you've got to be kidding. They're actually serious about this. I mean, we can see them. And so that's, you can at least see their route. So that's why I'm putting that up on the screen. This will teach all of you that are getting this via podcast. It's worth it to come live uh, to hear Daily Thunder and to, or stream. <clears throat> 
So here's General Wolfgang Martini. Isn't that a great name? Wolfgang Martini. And so this is the man with the devious plan. Isn't that, it sounds somewhat like a comedy uh, a movie here. But uh, Winston Churchill refers to General Martini, the chief of the German radar. Isn't that a funny thing to be over? He's over radar. Uh, and had made a careful plan. The German jamming, hitherto somewhat ineffective, was invigorated by the addition of much new equipment. So at this time, radar is semi-new. Okay, for us, you know, we watch all our war movies like dee 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 and you can see where everything's at. At this time, it was rather new, and so this guy was over radar. And so one of the goals is because the, the British are very good. They're usually ahead of the curve in regards to radar and spy networks and figuring out what the enemy's doing. But the Germans invent something, and I'm actually not sure what it was, but it was something to jam the British uh, radar. But they don't want the British to know that they can jam their radar. Because if the British know that you, their radar is being jammed, then they're going to come up with other means of watching, right? But if you're leaning on your radar and you don't know that it's being jammed, well, that's a pretty sneaky maneuver. And so what you see is, uh, it says, hitherto somewhat ineffective was invigorated by the addition of much new equipment, but in order that nothing should be suspicious, it was brought into operation gradually so that the jamming should appear only a little more vicious each day. Uh, welcome to the kingdom of heaven here. As Christians, the enemy doesn't want to overplay his hand. When he's trying to dupe you, he does it in degrees. He specializes in it. He doesn't want to move too quickly. He doesn't want to be too obvious. Otherwise, you're like, that's the devil. And so as a result, there's something sneaky going on here that, hey, I, I think we can all recognize. Our operators, therefore, did not complain unduly, and nobody suspected anything unusual. Oh, no. We have problems, guys, because the Germans are going to jam the radar of the British, and they're going to escape Brest. I mean, right under their nose. February 12th, 1942, the sneakiness begins. I like that word, sneakiness, by the way. By February 12th, the jamming had grown so strong that our sea-watching radar was, in fact, useless. It was not until 11.25 a.m., February 12th, 1942, that the Admiralty received the news. By then, the escaping cruisers and their powerful air and destroyer escort were within 20 miles of Boulogne. And I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that French city. I always think Boulogne. But uh, it's, it's, again, along the French coast. And it's, so I'm going to give you a map of where we're at at this time. So you're going to see they're right near the Dover Straits, and right at this time, this is when they finally realize that they're not in Brest anymore. Could you imagine that? And it's, not, it's like 11.30 in the morning, and they're like, whoa, and they're just about to pass, which means Great Britain is not prepared for this. Now, they are prepared with batteries, with, with torpedoes, with various things, but they're not prepared in the way they could be with their naval operations. They have the greatest navy in the world, and you don't just go through the English Channel. But these guys are sneaking through the English Channel. There's no way they're going to make it. You, remember, you guys remember the theology of Great Britain, don't you? No one passes through the English Channel. The English Channel is, is manned, is governed by the British. No one can survive in there. If they try and take on the British Navy, they're going down, right? That's, that's how it works. Successive waves of bombers and torpedo bombers assailed the enemy till nightfall. There was much bitter and confused fighting with the German fighters in which we suffered more severe losses than the enemy with his superior numbers. Uh-oh, that doesn't sound good, guys. Unscathed either by the Dover batteries or the torpedoes, the squadron held its course, and by the morning of the 13th, all their ships 
had reached home. This is a dark day, guys. I don't know how you're feeling about it. And of course, many of you are like, I don't really care. <laughs> That's because you're not British. This is right down, I mean, this is right outside your home. And this is your safe territory. According to your theology, you own this. You operate this. And the, the Germans have literally taken their whole escort right through it which I don't know how you're feeling right about now, but it might make you feel a little insecure, okay? It could breed a little insecurity. That's what it's doing in Great Britain right now. The news astonished the British public who could not understand what appeared to them, not unnaturally, to be a proof of the German mastery of the English Channel. Their theology is suddenly coming into question. Uh, do, you, do you understand that? In other words, all up to this point, over the past thousand years, even the Germans, which are a mighty power, could never cross. They had an entire operation that was going to come across the English Channel and attack Great Britain, and it was foiled. And so, I mean, everything that, and that was just, you know, a year before, two years before. And so what we have is something that is so shocking, and the British people are not able to even swallow this. The mystifying moments when the outcome doesn't match our theology. This is a, a tricky thing for us to walk through. And if any of you have ever heard me talk about fact, faith, and experience, the three characters that are trying to walk a ridgepole, the secret to having faith walk a ridgepole is that it needs to focus on fact. It can't focus on its feelings and its experiences. When we consult experience, we get wobbly, okay? And we can't move forward properly. Most of Christianity today actually is ruled by experience and emotion and not by the facts of Scripture. And so if you want your experience and your emotion to line up with the facts, you have to ignore them and you have to fix your gaze as faith upon the facts, upon the word of God, living truth, which cannot lie, cannot exaggerate. It is the truth. And then as you continue to walk, your experience, your emotions begin to line up. Now what's challenging is when we are following the facts, faith is following fact and experience and emotion are wobbly over here. Those are the moments that test us the most. Because God's saying, keep your focus here. Keep your gaze here. You see, right now the British people are wavering. They're starting to question their government. The same way we oftentimes question God, our government. And we're like, hey, I thought you had this in control. I thought you were over this. Do I need to take this into my own hands? Do I need to flee? Do I need to get on a boat and get over to Ireland? I mean, what do I need to do? I don't want to stay here if it's insecure. The same thing can easily happen to us, the mystifying moments. So remember in that very beginning, do not consider it a surprise when you're going to face trials of many kinds. Uh, we do. We, we, we consider it a surprise. These things have come to test us, to make us stronger. And all throughout Scripture, you're going to see tests. And these are tests that God doesn't seem to make apologies for. It's like, I am so sorry that I brought you through that test. The British people are going through a test. This is actually a really cool story, okay? I, I just, I'm, I'm laying it out sort of like a movie scene where you're going through the emotion. I don't know if I've, I've brought you to the place where you care enough. If this was a good movie, you would care. You'd identify with the characters. I don't know that you're identifying with Great Britain enough in this story to recognize how harrowing, how scary this is that the Germans just brought their two greatest warships right through the English Channel unmolested is what it appears to be. And, I mean, they just got away with that. And now they're fortified in the north end near Norway. And we're vulnerable here. We feel extremely uh, weak. And yet, 
there, there's a really good story uh, that is hanging out here. We just don't know the, the second half of it. So there's tests, and I'm calling these the age-old tests. There's tests throughout Scripture that are going to declare God's ways to us. There's times when God appears silent. There's, a time, there's times when God appears to have forgotten us. There's times when uh, the powers of this natural realm seem just too powerful. And there's times when God seems to have failed. And yet, if we were to look at each of these times, we recognize that God wasn't actually uh, silent. He, he just appeared silent for a season. And he didn't forget. And the powers of the natural realm weren't too much. And God didn't fail us. You see, the truth is still the truth. And that's why faith, no matter what noise is going on around it, must fix itself to the facts. This is what we walk through. It's called the trial of our faith, the test of faith. So what good is faith if it's going to wobble the moment a test comes? The whole point of faith is to grip God, grip his truth, grip the realities of his kingdom, and hold on. It doesn't matter what the news reports. If the news comes to you today and says, yep, all 13 ships made it through the English Channel, you better panic. What do you do? You hold on to what you know is true. So the Syrophoenician test, there was a lady, uh, that's, she was just called the Syrophoenician woman in, in at least one translation, so that's still how I uh, appropriate it. And she's the one that comes up to Jesus and is begging for help uh, so that he can heal, I think it was her daughter. And Jesus seems to ignore her. And then his disciples are like, could you send this woman away? Because obviously Jesus doesn't want to deal with it. And then finally, she just keeps begging and begging and begging. And finally Jesus turns to her and says, look, uh, lady, I didn't come uh, but for the lost sheep of Israel. And, and so she's, she begs and says, well, even if I'm a dog, I, I, can I eat the crumbs off the, you know, the children's table? And then he stands back amazed at her faith and does exactly what she asked. In other words, what was that? You see, there was something about her dogged faith that Christ was looking for. And as a result, we see it all these years later to say, there's the model. Even when it looks like he is silent or that he's ignoring you, keep pressing your point. The Lazarus test, when God appears to have forgotten. Remember when Jesus gives the promise, the sickness will not end in death, and then he leaves town. And guess who dies? <laughs> now, that's a tricky situation. You could be, imagine Mary and Martha. Uh, what does it feel like here? It feels like Jesus forgot us. And then he returns four days after Lazarus has been buried. Okay, uh, Jesus, excuse me, but you know, I don't want to criticize your methods, but if I were you, I would want to keep my word, which means you should have healed him before he died. And yet what this passage of time is, is a test. He said this sickness will not end in death. Was he telling the truth? Yes. But faith has to be resolute throughout that time period when it looks like the natural realm is defying it. Lazarus is laying in a grave. How is, how is your faith doing? When someone comes to you and says, I thought Jesus was the resurrection and the life. I thought he said he was going to heal this guy. He's healed everyone else that came to him except for his good friend Lazarus. Excuse me, but that doesn't seem right. It doesn't always seem right to us either when it happens to us. And what does Jesus say? It's for a greater glory. You see, God is doing something greater because of these testings. The walking on water test, when the powers of the natural realm seem too powerful. So remember Peter? You have Jesus out on the water and Peter in a boat, and Peter gets the commission to follow him, 
to, to walk to Christ. And there's two characters in Scripture that actually walked on water. Peter walked on water. However, there was an immediate distraction that comes up. I always picture it as the Hawaiian surf wave. I don't think it was a Hawaiian surf wave, but it's good for my mental imagery because Peter, instead of keeping his gaze on the facts, on the truth, he turns and consults the impossibilities around him, the winds gusting, the waves, and he immediately begins to sink. And so even though it looks like the powers of the natural realm are more powerful, I mean, they, they are rather convincing. Our, our natural circumstances can seem very convincing at times. Jesus asks us to keep our gaze on him. He's the creator of the heavens and the earth. He's over winds and waves. He's over all circumstances. He's over empty bank accounts. He's God. The cross test, when God seems to have failed. In this situation, I'd say that's probably the best way of describing it uh, for the British people. It seems that their government has failed them. Their naval powers have failed them. All their strategies, all their promises, we will keep the English channel. So now, it's a wise idea not to put all your confidence in your governments, in their promises, okay? That, that's, that's wise. However, as a parallel with our kingdom, our kingdom in heaven, that we have promises, we have assurances of the English Channel being secure for us, that if we follow Jesus, he will preserve us, right? I mean, we have confidences. But what if we feel those like are violated? What if we feel vulnerable in this? And this is part of the test that we must walk through. Were Mary and Martha, was it right that they would panic? Was it right that they would doubt God? No, they should have trusted. Was it right for Peter to consult the winds and the waves and to think that they were more powerful than the God who he was walking towards? No. You see, when you take your gaze off, it may seem totally reasonable when the news reports that all the ships made it through and they immediately start turning all the venom towards the government saying they blew it, the naval forces, where's your radar when we need it? I thought you said we had this covered. And many of us do the same to God. God, where, where were you? Hey, I trusted you. The Joseph twist, when God proves that he actually is in control. You study the story of Joseph and you can see those mystifying moments. Doesn't God care for his people? Doesn't, didn't God give Joseph dreams? I mean, isn't he leading this young boy? Now, if some of us would like to give Joseph some words of advice, like don't share those dreams with your brothers. That, that would have been a brilliant uh, piece of advice. Uh, however, it looks like it's going the opposite direction. It looks like these dreams are not going to be fulfilled. In fact, that's what his brothers are saying. Well, so much for the dreamer. In other words, we've taken care of those dreams. You almost feel like the enemy's gloating, too. And yet, we also see with a bigger lens, where we step back, what are we seeing? We're seeing God's sovereignty. We're seeing that he's taking what the enemy means for evil and turning it. We're seeing that God is actually in complete control, and even though it looks like the enemy's winning, God's positioning his man. Always this is the case for the Christian. I know that sounds like a very strong statement, but always this is the case for the Christian. So this is just one illustration, barricaded in breast. This is just one illustration of a people that can easily be swayed by the news reports and the circumstances and not see the bigger thing that is happening. So with Joseph, we have the famous quote in Genesis 50, 20, but as for you, he's speaking to his brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good 
Isn't that interesting that God can take evil intent, because that's not his intent. His, he's, not, he's not the uh, sponsor of evil and sin, but he can take even evil intent and convert it. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. He positioned a savior in the land of Egypt in a time of drought. You know, God's pretty brilliant, I have to admit. He, he knows what he's doing. I think we should just trust him, guys. The news reports in Great Britain, February, what, what would this be? February 13th, 1942, you could just see the front page. Uh, Germany succeeds. Germany now master of the English Channel. What happened to our government's promises? So the news reports, all the German ships made it safely. But, you'll notice if you see the screen right now, but... You see, there's a but in this that you don't see in the news reports. In fact, no one in the public is going to know this until years later. Oh, and that's painful. That's painful that the government of Great Britain has to walk this through, and it's only going to be a few in the government that actually are going to know what really happened that day. And it's, you could say, why? Why wouldn't you just say, because they have to give they have to hide certain pieces of information for strategic purposes so that their enemy actually thinks their mindset is that they're vulnerable. And so they're going to actually allow the people of Great Britain to think for a season of time that they're vulnerable as opposed to saying what actually happened that day. Oh, this is, this is a hard one for me. I don't want to be the guy that has to have everyone think that I've done something terrible for a season. Meanwhile, for strategic purposes, I have to hold on to that. Winston Churchill, our secret service soon found out that both the Scharnhorst and the Nisenau had fallen victims to our air-laid mines. It was six months before the Scharnhorst was capable of service and the Nisenau never appeared again in the war. This, however, could not be made public and national wrath was vehement. Oh, I don't know. I, I, for some reason, I feel that. I don't, I don't think I've ever been in this exact situation. But there's something about that. You see, I've had so many moments with my God where I have had to trust him in the midst of seeming failure, seeming silence, seeming forgetfulness on his part. Like, God, I am not letting go. And I, I'll say, just in hindsight, it's a gift. It really is. I look back. You know, it's easier to say it when you're in a season of strength and you're not feeling wobbly need. But I'm going to just say it bluntly. Thank you, Lord, for those trials. Even if the trial is authored by the enemy, like this whole thing is conspired by Hitler, right? I mean, he's the one coming up with, oh, we're going to get them in the night. We're going to jam their radar. And yet what you see is that what the enemy is meaning to actually create havoc is going to end up with the enemy's destruction. Two of his most powerful warships are actually going to be, one's disabled for the rest of the war, one's disabled for six months. This is actually a victory. I know, it sounds strange, but this is a victory for the British in this, a naval victory. This is a huge blow to Hitler. And even though he sees the panic in the news in Great Britain, guess what? He knows what he lost. And so does the devil. The devil knows that uh, he's losing something when we stand up in faith. But it looked very bad at the time to everyone in the Grand Alliance. So the Grand Alliance are the 25, 26 nations that are going to form the United Nations. And they're not even going to communicate with all of them of what actually has happened. So it's President Roosevelt knows, Winston Churchill knows, and probably both of their war cabinets. And that's it. And so this is going to be held very close, close to the chest. 
So on the outside, Germany looks more powerful than ever. In your life, you know, the circumstances make the, the devil look like he's more powerful than ever. Doesn't that feel like the United States right now? Looks like the devil's just getting away with all sorts of nonsense. And yet, just because the outside may look a certain way does not mean God is sitting on his thumbs. In reality, Germany's naval powers were dealt a severe blow. The Apostle Paul in Romans 8, 28, of course we all know this scripture, but it's perfect uh, context for it. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And this is the scripture we started with, 1 Peter 4, 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. This isn't strange that we're tested. It's not strange that our faith is tested. It's actually very normal. Do not consider it strange. Do not be surprised. Embrace these trials. Embrace these tests of faith as opportunities to grow spiritual muscle. Spoiler alert. I don't like to give spoilers. It's a, it's a classically understood thing in the Ludi home because little Kipling, who we call Dub, if he ever hears a spoiler, he'll tell everyone. And so we have to keep spoilers, you know, we, we don't want to give them. So he'll ask all sorts of questions. So what happened to this? What's going to happen to this character? It's like, hey, I'm not going to tell you, bud. There's no way I'm going to tell you. And so this goes against the grain of what I would like to give you, but it might be important just to keep you engaged in what's happening in World War II. Spoiler alert. Psst. In the end, the good guys win. So now I want you to think about that in the kingdom of heaven. I don't care what it looks like the devil's doing right now. Psst. I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. I know you could just go to your own Bible and read the book of Revelation, and it's pretty profound, guys. But yes, it's somewhat of a spoiler, and it would be fun to just sort of be caught off guard to recognize, whoa, he won? He was in charge the whole time? But actually, I think he wants us to know that ahead of time. I think he wants us to walk through this life with that heavenly vantage point now, and that's triumphant faith. Father, this day is your day. Lead us in it for your glory, honor, and praise. May we walk with the gate of the twice-born, the anointed of God. We are filled with the Holy Spirit for a reason, and may you showcase the kingdom of heaven in and through our lives. We love you. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is delivered live and streamed daily Monday through Friday at 8.15 a.m. And our weekend service is streamed at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellersley.com. We invite you to visit us at the beautiful Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado for a day, a week, or an entire season of gospel-centered spiritual training. Learn more at ellersley.com. Thanks for listening.